I I um I don't have anything to say really about massages. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Zero Stars Podcast, a podcast about video games and massages. My mm. name is Bob. My name is Matt. And we're going to talk about video games. But first, Matt is going to tell us about a recent experience he had in a massage chair. Um, well, I was thinking about haptic gameplay in yeah, the, VR. The rumbles that feel like real things. And one of the most interesting experiences I had recently was um, at the new office. You you have a new office for your actual job. For my actual job. Yeah. At the new office, we have massage chairs. Wait, for real? Yeah. That's so awesome. There's four of them, and it's like in a dark room, and you just go in, and you lie down. Oh. Have you ever used a massage chair before? No, wait, is this one of those situations where you got like a keg in the office? Yeah, we got a keg. Oh, of course you do. We got There's like three or four kegs and it's just like local beer and stuff like that. What? But there's always someone who's like writing on the chalkboard asking for Corona. And I you mean, can't tell it's whether Vin it's Diesel, ironic dude. or not. Yeah. And he, he's like there. He sneaks he's in running at his video game studio and he's just like, there's no Corona here. <laughs> How will people know that we're a family? <laughs> R.I.P. Paul. Um, Truly, though. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot of perks like that. There's some good coffee. They always put, there's always like regular coffee that they have. Okay. And then there's the one that says like, it's like Botrus or uh, Lava. But then they'll like have one Jack that says Daniels. Like, <laughs> it just says C-I-N-N underneath in parentheses. Like this is written, you know, with yeah. chalk because everything is on chalkboards. And I'm like, uh, cool. for a while we were like, what's this? And it was like, oh, it's cinnamon. Yeah. And for, we thought that this was like a, like a, like custom like cinnamon flavored one no that they're making no they just when they brew the coffee pour a shit ton of cinnamon <laughs> into, the, into the filter with the grounds it's a great idea why did i ever think it's actually of that? it is actually i kind of like it other people absolutely hate it seems it. pretty festive it's one of those cilantro things where like some people are like this is delicious and other people are like this tastes like chemical yeah like like a soap or something yeah so, uh, so anyway, the but, massage okay, so, chair. So they've they've got coffee. They've got coffee that tastes like something else, and they have a chair that will brum. Yeah, well, this thing does more than brum. Um, thrum, 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 brum. Th- what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just uh, thinking about Chumbawamba right now. <laughs> this thing will tub thump you. <laughs> But in any case, uh, yeah, there's these four chairs. You go in, you lay down. I kind of resisted this for a total of two weeks because I don't really like the... There's something... I don't like the idea of like lying down in someone else's massage chair. Yeah, the idea that somebody was previously there being massaged yeah. and then mere moments after that you get in and you go oh it's nice and warm. Yeah, it's, 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 not, it's not that there's necessarily like anything like sexual about a massage inherently i don't but I don't it is think so, so physically intimate intimate yeah, yeah. It, between you and the chair that the idea that like this chair isn't like going and washing its hands or taking a shower after <laughs> <laughs> yeah. neither are you for that matter no. you covered your body in oil <laughs> some people take their shoes off when they get in but i oh, got does it no. do your feet 
um, it will do your feet. So that's oh, a reason to take your shoes off. I mean, off. that's a great but, reason to take your shoes so off. So I am... Um, I went, I, I hung out in the massage chair. This thing beats the shit out of you. It hurts. Is there, is it there like so intensity much. settings? Yeah. And of course I went all the way up because if I'm going to take a <laughs> massage, this is like when I play the evil within and I need to turn it up to the hardest difficulty level possible. It's the same with the massage chair. Oh, I'm not going halfway. Right. So like so this was like, started on 11. It was, but it was that kind of agony that also feels oh, pretty good. The ecstasy. Yeah. So you feel like I can just feel it like pushing it's not like actually like dispelling any of the knots or undoing any of the knots in my back it is just like pushing them around but it feels like intense it's just giving you a hard thrum yeah but there's this element of it where i was relatively like i stayed aware i wasn't doing the thing that a lot of people do where they close their eyes and like kind of relax yeah and like listen to an ambient yeah twin song and just kind of let it happen yeah lots of enya um i was like very aware because when the one time when I did close my eyes and kind of leaned back and I felt like the pressure on my back all I could think of was like hands in the black leather reaching out of the black leather and my immediate reaction to this was well first of all so I woke up and I was like stop thinking about this because that's like that's like a creepy David Cronenberg movie or something like that yeah or like that one episode of uh, Always Sunny where Danny DeVito's trapped in a couch (laughs) I don't think I've seen that one um it did make me think though of like potential like haptic experiences with vr oh and for sure it, when your senses are all closed and the idea that you're in a chair that can simulate like the feeling of hand pressure on you yeah it's that's kind of like wild um it's that's a great point and you know you think about like i assume that we'll create situations where we could suspend you in a liquid and then like electrify parts of the liquid in ways that would create pressure on you right and oh like yeah change its pressure get some real altered states there. yeah yeah put you in like a sensory deprivation tank and then give you all the sensory experiences <laughs> so Anyways, are you about to massage this into the news hour i, I was gonna try and find a segue but i don't <laughs> think that'll be happening and instead i will just ham-fistedly <laughs> say it's time to flip to the news <laughs> Uh, okay. What do we got here? I got some news. I was the news editor. Um, it's been two weeks. And, it has, yeah. Um, in that time, actually, some relatively major things happened. Uh, some of them are dumb. I'm going to start off here, and I'm going to say, Matt, on this blessed day, this past week, all this news is from Polygon, uh, and it was revealed. Our long national nightmare is over. Video game voice actors have ended their year-long strike. Matt, did you know this was happening? I knew that at some point this was happening because they could, like, uh, Square Enix or whoever made the new um, Life is Strange series could not get the original voice of Chloe to return because she was on strike or something. Maybe it was... I did not realize that it was still going on. I did not realize that this was occurring. I love that this is something in an industry that I follow very closely uh theoretically this might have affected games that i play i guess um maybe this explains the voice acting in that zelda game (laughs) i don't know uh but i also just love the idea that there were it's called like a scab when you break the picket line right isn't that it i've never been in the picket line well i haven't either but like somebody who 
sees everyone striking and is like, but I'm going to work. <laughs> I just love that there's, there's still been voice acting in games. It's not as though this created an environment where all of a sudden all the characters were mute because the SAG well, AFTRA uh, people were all on strike. It's kind of interesting. What were they? What were their demands? Um, as I understand it, that they be paid a fair wage. Okay. Like I, I, it seems like it was pretty reasonable. Were there, because like yeah. the demands of being a voice actor in a video game kind of are different than being a voice actor in a traditional film or something. Oh, certainly. Yeah. I mean, that's that's thousands of so, hours. That's that's reams of dialogue. Well, it just it's a lot of saying. Uh, <sighs> uh, uh, what? see i mean but the problem is that we are very accomplished video game voice actors well we just gave them a bunch of free stuff to work with (laughs) i also do motion capture work uh if you need somebody dunking on a little tykes basketball hoop i do voice voice motion capture work oh okay just your mouth i move all around the microphone I've thought that we should record this in stereo so that we're sitting on either side of your head. <laughs> Hard pan. Oh, the na- national nightmare begins anew. <laughs> but then I'll slowly like pivot it around the listener as though they are sitting in the center of a rotating table that we are on either side of. Oh, boy. Um, okay. <laughs> so that's good, I guess. Yeah, and- no, I, th- I mean, that's good for them. But did they? is it because they got what they wanted? Or did they I just did not th- complete reading this okay. story, uh, but I, right, my understanding is that out. they have reached some sort of agreement. Apparently, earlier in this past month, mm-hmm. there was some sort of lesser agreement that was reached with some of the major publishers, and then this kind of is the full fruition of the whole thing. But I would imagine if you've been striking for a year that you are not getting a lot of work, so I'm sure the pressure kind of was on you. Yeah, and I imagine point. that we're actually not going to see the fallout of this for another year or so. Well, yeah, I mean, Fallout 4 games. just came out. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, <laughs> uh, in other news, Microsoft, um, they heard of these guys. Okay, yeah. So young upstart. <laughs> I mean, I don't think they can succeed in the console space. Uh, realistically, this is actually a question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like 2000 and I guess that was like 2001's questions have resurfaced. Yeah, like, in many ways. Can Microsoft show up with a big black console and <laughs> make it That's more powerful than anything <laughs> yeah. else and really expensive. Um, okay, Microsoft is apparently planning to launch a game streaming service in the vein of the PlayStation's streaming service that is like OnLive was. Yeah, I haven't used the PlayStation one. So that was that was my number one question is, have you played anything over this? And this is this is a system whereby you would not have a physical copy of a game you would not download a copy of a game you would press a button and it would be playing this game on a machine in a warehouse somewhere you mean the cloud yes yeah somebody is just running a copy of in this in this dream world somebody is running blinks the time sweeper on their like pentium 2 in a basement and you sit in your home press buttons on your controller those button inputs are sent to this remote computer uh, Blinks does what you say, and the thing sends back the footage of the game being played. Um, what kind of lag exists? On That's these? a great question, Matt. And the answer is definitely some lag. Yeah, I'd say definitely some. Not ideal for Dark Souls, I suppose. But so I am. That's kind of it. This is yeah. seemingly very limited in the sorts of games that it could play in a way that would make me happy at all, even if the lag is pretty minimal. Well, the interesting thing about 
Microsoft doing this is that the new Xbox One X plays Xbox 360 and Xbox games. So it's sort of interesting that people with their libraries... I mean, with PlayStation, it always made more sense. because It it doesn't play it off the disc, does it? Yeah, it plays it off the disc. Whoa. You can put your old discs in. That's one of the main reasons to get an Xbox One X is if you have a huge back back catalog of like voodoo vince uh, hardware or not hardware fusion but like actual frenzy. hard copies i i played a lot of fusion did frenzy. you really yeah that sounds great uh, it wasn't that great <laughs> <laughs> but um it's interesting then that microsoft is doing this i mean i don't know i have mixed feelings the one reason why playstation did it was because there's nothing in playstation that's never been backwards compatible particularly so the idea of you know, being able to play those old games streaming on PlayStation initially made more sense. I've never tried it, but I don't know. It's like just a service, I guess. Well, it seems like a good idea, but it's just one of those things that unless we get way more advanced internet connectivity in this country, it's going to always kind of be a bad experience. Especially my in middle fear, America. Yeah. And my fear is that this is going to be a good enough solution for people who are just like, well, it runs at 30 frames a second. Whatever is cinematic. And like that class of game player is going to going to be like, well, it kind of doesn't feel so good, but whatever. And we will live in a hell of just gross things. Uh, and maybe this is the world we already live in because uh, Matt, have you heard anything about Star Wars Battlefront 2 and its microtransaction nightmare? I... I'm not even sure if I understand what Battlefront 2 is. It's a game. Much less what a microtransaction is. Okay, this is a Star Wars video game. You play as a Star Wars person. This is the one that now has the first Battlefront 1, recent Battlefront 1, not going way back Battlefront 1, but recent Battlefront 1 was just multiplayer, and now this also has a single player. These games are Battlefield, the, like, modern combat, and and World War II combat game, but for Star Wars. World War One combat game. Uh, there was a, there was also that World War One one that just came out. recently. Yeah, that was the more yeah. recent one. Weirdly, uh, okay, yes. So this is this is just Battlefield, but with Star Wars people in it. Okay, very cool, very pretty. Yeah, no, I mean that that engine when it's doing the right things, Ooh, very very. When dice is behind it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this new version of it has like incredibly deep microtransaction hooks this is an electronic arts published game it is an ea joint and so you you get these loot boxes and i honestly read through stuff about this three times and i continue to not understand how any of this is meant to work but the weird thing is that this game does not come out until the 15th of this month november november 15th yeah which is just like this friday right yes or this but it has been in some sort of beta uh, and so people have been playing They did that with it. the first, with the prior one, yeah. And you've been that. able to just like buy the loot boxes and stuff. And some so Without some, owning the game, I'm you can buy totally loot boxes for a game that you don't own. Some YouTuber who, I, I thought their name is X Factor Gaming, <laughs> which is pretty, pretty cool. Uh, <laughs> anyways, they, uh, they just went and spent 90 Wait, bucks on... What is his X Factor? What is the X Factor? I, I assume it's that they have 90 bucks to blow on Battlefront 2 to get a headline <laughs> on Polygon. Like, My X Factor is just money. Oh, actually, I got this off of Mashable. Anyways, oh, okay. uh, here's the key. This person spent $90 on this game that does not currently is not actually in release. And as a result, they apparently just smoked everyone on the server because 
you it is just purely like do you want to have good stuff do you want your character to, to be powerful you just buy these boxes and you are significantly better than everyone else this is after ea came out and was like don't worry that was a little bit crazy so we backed it off and they like changed the way the loot boxes worked in ways that i continued to not understand having read this thing but clearly the important thing is loot boxes unlike overwatch are not just cosmetic cosmetic they're not cosmetic they're not cosmetic cosmetic. (laughs) here's my question for you have you ever bought a loot box uh no you do you feel like there's a circumstance under which you would want to buy a added loot box style thing in a game that you had already paid money for yeah definitely 100 percent Okay. I've not encountered it yet, but I can definitely imagine that. Do you think that that's going to, the thing that would push you over the edge is a cosmetic thing or something that would be uh, performance-based? I don't like the idea of a game in which you can buy performance-based loot boxes, mm-hmm. so I probably would not be engaging with that game. Right. So I would have to say cosmetic. It'd be something cosmetic. And, you know, I could almost be there with Overwatch if I had enjoyed Overwatch like a little bit more. Yeah. I felt like close to it. Did you buy one in Overwatch? I bought some in Heroes of the Storm. Oh, right, right, right. When you were testing that out. Yeah, I was having a great time. Yeah. So I can get it. This seems shady as fuck. It definitely plays into this idea that EA is a terrible money machine. Yeah. This makes me, this is like, listening to you talk about this is like listening to like, reports on banks and like toxic assets <laughs> and like <laughs> it is equally bad you are yeah, right it i mean it, it it riles like the same feelings in me where i'm just like this is I, this is exactly what i expect i shouldn't expect anything else and they're going to charge 60 dollars for this game yeah and admittedly you will get a single player out of that but there's clearly going to be some element of it that is entirely based around the idea that you can just kind of pay to achieve things in the multiplayer that will make the multiplayer I suppose more fun for you if you want to be good at the game, but definitely make it less fun for other people unless those people are like Matt and want the difficulty to be higher and turn the massage chair up to 11. <laughs> Let's go back to, to EA. What did EA, EA do next? And then the, yeah. What have they done now? <laughs> All right. EA uh, went and bought my favorite developer. <laughs> Uh, my favorite non-Nintendo developer, Respawn, they of Titanfall fame. Um, EA has published the two Titanfall games that came out, but oh, Respawn no. was an independent entity. I want to point out, Respawn was an independent entity because Activision originally owned uh, Infinity Ward, makers of Call of Duty, and the relationship was so contentious that the two leads of uh infinity ward the call of duty studio were fired by activision and it was like oh good now they're independent and not under the thumb of some enormous corporation and now they're back uh so for 151 million dollars in cash and up to 164 million in long-term equity in the form of restricted stock units ea has purchased respawn the developer of titanfall uh the this news really it doesn't reveal a lot about the deal, uh, except for how much it cost. Um, but the important thing that came out of this is that as part of this announcement, uh, EA listed the games that are currently in development at Respawn, and they are a Star Wars game, a virtual reality. This is a quote: "Virtual reality first-person combat experience." <laughs> 
experience. <laughs> Which sounds pretty awesome. Sounds like my time in that massage chair. <laughs> Just listening to Enya as fists fly at your face. Um, and most importantly, Titanfall 3. Oh. Which is actually kind of surprising because Titanfall 2 did not do no. particularly big business. I wonder... Interesting. I, I wonder if that actually ends up coming out or I whether think, they just because I don't how big is respawn to the I mean, are they just going to end up pulling one of those things where they just throw everybody at the Star Wars game eventually? To me, this feels like the slow journey of respawn to be visceral too. yeah, uh, visceral being the studio that EA just shut down after a long protracted development of a Star Wars game that was never going to happen after that studio had made a trilogy of games that were in space where you were a spaceman that slowly were initially very good in the first one (laughs) and then way better in the second one and then the third one was a terrible corporate thing full of a bunch of loot boxes and then they shut down the studio there were loot boxes in the third one i'm pretty sure there was like a weird it's an ea game so anyways this makes me sad vince zampella ceo of respawn did have this like he had this weird corporate statement that came out and then on his website he had this more candid thing where he's like We've been talking with the leadership at EA and we share their values and vision for the future of being a developer focused company that puts our players first, which (laughs) does not sound like him because like he gave these incredible interviews around the release of Titanfall 2 where they were like, is is EA a good partner? Like, can you make another Titanfall? And he was like, I don't know, man, who can say this sounds like a man with a money gun to his head? Yes, he explicitly says that is not the case, but it feels like they're under pressure yeah and i mean we can't know that unless if we were to see like actually did they ever release um numbers on how much titanfall 2 sold uh, i'm sure we could track that down but i, I never looked yeah into but it. i mean that's what reporters do <laughs> for us yeah, so exactly. we can steal their headlines <laughs> <laughs> thanks polygon um anyway this how do you feel about this how do you feel like like just gut reaction? How do you feel about this? You feel I, bad. I think like the next bad. Titanfall will not be as good. And then I think that this studio will get shut down. Would you think the Star Wars game is coming out? Yes. I think I think all of these games will come out. But I think that these games will come out. And then there will be something where it's like, Respawn is now Bioware, Oklahoma. <laughs> and then it will be like, Two years later, something will come out and it will be like, they were working on a Dragon Age VR thing for iPhones. Combat experience. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, it didn't pan out. And now Vince Zampella is a beggar on the street. Oh, God. I mean, telling people that they should have things. But there's also the possibility that if these guys have the leeway to make a Star Wars game the way that they have made Titanfall games because they're not obviously not going to mix up they're not going to move into like a third person territory they I are think they might really I think they're I think they are oh, ambitious man. I hope I hope that they don't though because they do the first person so well and if they can continue to use the tools that they're familiar with and that they use to make Titanfall 2 well, that's a very and good like question. they're not forced to use frostbite like all of these other I mean because obviously they know what they are doing when they make. I mean, never they make the best feeling first person video games. Yes, being made right now, they are very good. So, I it would, EA would be an idiot to take that away from them. So, I mean, if they could <laughs> and use, they have never. Seen if they can use those before. tools, yeah. If they can just use those tools and make a first person like like movement based Star Wars game that sold 
because it's going to be Star Wars, maybe that would give them the cachet to like make something good. Well, you know what would be a really good Titanfall game is a Titanfall game where you just didn't have jump jets, but you had the force. Yeah. Like that would be pretty fun. Yeah. That'd be awesome. It's feasible. We'll see. I have one last news item. (laughs) Reading straight from the newspaper. Uh, This actually has no source. This source is is me. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) You burnt some rubber on this one? (laughs) I got out there. I could have been looking up Titanfall 2 sales numbers, and I did some hard-hitting reporting. Hey, Matt, the uh, Xbox One X came out. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a bunch of them for sale because no one seemed to pick no them up at buying. any of the stores. It's There's a really yeah. expensive Xbox that apparently, and this is the only interesting thing, if you put your original like Xbox 360 games in it, they all just run at like 60 frames a second up res. Yeah, well, if they're if they're unlocked, if well, the frame rate is all, unlocked. Like all of those early Xbox like 360 games aren't okay. ported for it so it just runs them as fast as it can oh nice so you can go play like skate 3 and it's like crystal clear oh, ultra until, nice. it, until it downloads like a patch or something for... i don't think that they'll ever patch those games because they'll probably the a lot of them they won't yeah but i've heard that like a lot of them are also have like have uh frame rate caps which is almost too bad because you know that the machine wants to run it at higher than 60 but it literally can't yeah but that's actually okay in this case i think because uh, a lot of times they'll tie frame rate to other elements of the gameplay okay so if it's not oh, capped, that's a good point they're like yeah. using the fact that they're like it updates every like i don't know if it's 30 it updates 30 times a second and yeah. then they can use that as a clock to be like the weapons degrade at this rate yeah i think you talk about yeah so about that, if you run it faster then you could have some real problems but you definitely are not going to get frame rate dips so that's pretty cool yeah i mean i know that um Digital Foundry really likes the new Xbox. Do they? I mean, I don't know. They seem like pretty impressed with it. Oh, well, I mean, I, certainly I think that it's like fast, which is really all they've ever said about this thing. It's just, this is a fast Xbox. And uh, the HDR sounds pretty nice if you have an HDR TV. Yeah. Um, but my, I don't my, know. Here's the secret. The uh, Xbox One S also does HDR. Does it is it does HDR 4K too? It upreses to 4K. It just can't run things natively at 4K. Okay, I just I don't really care honestly. And we'll get into this later. I'm going to talk a little bit more about graphical fidelity and oh, my feelings awesome. about that later. So it it seems cool. It's really cool. Like it's interesting that it can do that. Um, I don't like wish Microsoft well or ill in this console race. I just. I, I just, just kind of don't care. Is. Like, yeah. it's amazing the degree to which I just feel like nothing about this. And I feel like it's really on them because if you could imagine a world in which they had a launch game for this, it would just be a totally different thing. Uh, but instead, they're kind of, well, here's Forza. Yeah. And you say, doesn't that run at 60 on the normal Xbox? And they say, yeah. Meanwhile, we were all waiting for Crackdown 3. <laughs> well, that's Delayed it. again. I mean, it's one of those situations where you look at it and you say, okay, Microsoft has just been sitting there. They should have just bought Respawn. Yeah. No, they definitely should have bought Respawn. If you just imagine a world in which they could have dropped this thing and some, like, Titanfall 2 didn't come out last year, let's say, and it comes out yeah. with this thing and it just looks insane. Yeah. 
and suddenly you're moving units i feel like or at least you're you're making a try where it feels like this is just the most lackadaisical i guess we just produced all of these very powerful computers i suppose we should sell them like it just feels like there's no effort in it yeah i mean it seems as though they produced the um the Xbox One at the same time the PS4 came out and it sold for more and had lower specs and they seemed to have a lot of shame about those lower specs. Yes, they internalized so it. They really, they had some, they, they were like, oh, but size does matter. <laughs> and so they immediately like ran into the back room and were like, let's start working on the next one. <laughs> yes. Well, And at the same time, they just like, fired the entire connect team but then yeah but paid no attention to actually building games that people want to play meanwhile meanwhile my weird android tablet called a switch is like crushing it crushing it yeah because they are amazing games that's and that's really it it's just microsoft just doesn't have the games yeah It, it just doesn't matter uh and it's a real shame it's a real shame a real shame all right. So, uh, speaking of games, speaking, of, what kind of games have you been playing? I've been playing uh, Mario. Haven't heard of it. Okay, so it's game. You're you're a man. He jumps uh, a jump man, if you will. Oh, jump man. Yes, super uh, jump man. You are you are super a jump, jump man a, world. A jumping man. Yeah. This this game. Uh, I talked about it last week. I I or last two weeks. two weeks ago. I really like this game. Have you completed this game yet? I have. I've completed the main. Okay, the way this game goes is there's a main quest, which will probably take you about seven hours to complete. And you play it, and it is solid and not particularly challenging. Some parts of it are very, very cool looking. Uh, You go through all the worlds. What it seems like are all the worlds. You go through several Mm. different worlds. Bowser's castle is like all Chinese uh, architecture, like castle looking. Oh, dope. It's so cool, and the music is great. There are a lot of sections that look beautiful and amazing um and you're having fun and you're having a great time and then they do things at the end of this game you are playing this game and you're like this is a pretty good mario game and then you beat the final boss and suddenly the whole thing it's just like the world splits open and out of it just like i don't know man like a rainbow pours through the sky and you you go insane. You're speaking metaphorically right now, I, right? Sort of. Okay. Like okay, <laughs> you do things. Mario loses his fucking mind and like, he does things. He does things. He kind of you yes, kind of though. You do a thing at the end of this does game. Does it turn into Kane and Lynch? Yes, yeah, Mario is walking through the streets. Just there's just a mercilessly grain. gunning people down. <laughs> His disgusting a, filter over. Yeah, as though he is being pursued by an iPhone camera. No, it is not that. It is instead like I, I just I I want to talk about this game so badly because I think that people need to know how bonkers it is. But so many so much of it is just pleasant for the surprise well do you want to throw a spoiler at the very end of the episode and after we talk about our favorite things you can mention a few. But do you, I mean, do you want to know? I don't think that this will spoil it for me, the experience of playing I'm gonna I'm going to say spoiler alert right now, and I'm just going to say some things. Okay, but how long do you think it's going to last? Five minutes. Okay. Spoiler alert. Five minutes. <laughs> All right. Here we go. If you jump ahead and I am talking about Mario, it is not because we are talking about Mario still. It's because I'm using Mario as a metaphor in another game I played. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> this bodes right. well. Just, just keep going until Bob's not talking anymore. This is the first Mario game that was made by people who are nostalgic for 1990s Mario. 
and oh my god. Okay, the end of this game. The first thing that happens, the penultimate level in this game, every single level in this game, you look up in the sky and you can see the moon in the skybox. And it's huge. And the whole game I was like, it's pretty weird the moon's there. There's no way you go to the moon. And if you do go to the moon, there's no way that the physics are moon physics. And then you go to the moon and you are doing the Mario jumps with moon gravity. And there are just moons, like the moons that you collect in this game. And they're out like huge distances between these rocks. And you are just running and jumping and just coasting through the air. And it feels unbelievable. And the whole game, you've just been sitting there learning how to jump so that you can and going like the moon's up there and now you're just on the effing moon and you are jumping and Do you the, jump to the moon uh you take a rocket oh. but then the the earth is behind you and the sun is coming around it and the thing is lit like the moon mm. and it's like completely incredible then you go to bowser like then you go into like bowser's lair or whatever in the middle of the moon you fight bowser bowser is knocked out you are trapped in the moon. Bowser is like asleep. You are with Peach. And you like don't know what to do. And suddenly you go like, I can throw my hat. You throw your hat. You are Bowser. You, are, you grab Peach. You are fleeing. You are playing as Bowser. You are blo- like breaking through all these boxes. It is playing this insane J-pop emo rock song. You are punching through things. You jump into a wall. You are playing 2D Mario as 8-bit Bowser. You are shooting the fireball. You are doing the whole thing. You fucking do all of this. You like unearth this large pipe. You jump into it. Game ends. Mario Awakens, Mushroom Kingdom from Mario 64. (laughs) Rendered in new Mario look. You are asleep. He wakes up. I'm like, they're going to say that was all a dream. And that's why it looks so crazy. They do not say this. Instead, you are just now in the Mushroom Kingdom. You are Mario. You walk up to Toad. He goes, you look different now. You go into the store. You buy a costume. You are Mario 64 Mario. You look exactly like him. You are like low poly Mario in new Mario. You go into the castle, camera angle, exactly like Mario 64. Does the like boop, 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 doo, doo, I can see the camera you, angle. You know what it yeah. is. It like rotates. You are just there. You are new Mario. It all looks new. You open a door. You're in super like Mario 64 looking world. Like low res everything. You are going in and out of every Mario game. Nothing matters. It is total madness. There were persistent rumors in Mario 64 that Yoshi was in it on the roof. Yeah. Yoshi's on the roof. Of course he is. <laughs> like, everything about it is just crazy. You're, like, it sa- it, uh, like, crazy seems like a good word. It, it is does seem hallucinogenic, in a sense. It is, it is and so you love, weird. And you love every bit of it. Oh, it's incredible. And yeah. the difficulty ramps in this crazy way where now you're, like, in levels where, like, it's a 2D level. Okay? Yeah. It's 8-bit Mario, except there are just panels moving, and the panel is shifting the level from 2D to 3D. That's pretty tough. And you have to keep pace with the panel, because if you don't, you fall out of the background into the foreground, and there's nothing beneath you. That's pretty cool. This and all it sounds... It's punishing. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I, uh, I mean, it also, it's interesting to me that like this is clearly so Mario Maker in its own way and that just sort of like allowing 
stuff to just be. Just like throw stuff at it. And some of it's going to stick, some of it's not. Then we put all the stuff that sticks in the actual game. All of the moons the, like that you collect in the Mushroom Kingdom are the Mario 64 stars. And it plays the Mario 64 star music. But like rearranged and it sounds amazing on your new sound system. Actually, I do just want to play that part. It's incredible. I, I Okay, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk about um, a game that I bought instead of Mario odyssey and i'm kind of regretting it now because that does sound really good i played a little bit of mario mario odyssey i played the opening um mm-hmm. two hours the opening world i got to the desert world uh that's where it once you go get through the desert world it picks up yeah and i w- i like it i think it's good i just was not grabbed by it um i don't i don't totally love collecting games like that mm-hmm. where i mean it feels great to move around i just have a strange relationship with the desire to collect things and then not feeling satisfaction from collecting it. Right. That uh, turned me off in that first world. But I mean, it nonetheless still had like a ton of fun. It still just feels so, it's just a joy to move around. It's so good to move around. And then they yeah. keep doing new things with the movement mechanics. And like, I just, it was so exciting at the end of it. It's just so out there. And yeah. it just, for the first time you go, okay, Beyond just being Nintendo saying, like, we have a rich history and back catalog, this is not that. This is people who have sat on the internet talking about Mario games when they were kids playing Mario 64, and now they are making a Mario game. These are the people who drew their own Mario levels on, like, graph paper as children who, yeah, finally are unleashed. Like, it's a strange thing, and it does... The weirdest part about it is that then you start to get into this world where you start to be disappointed by it on some level because you're thinking, well, it is like Mushroom Kingdom from Mario 64, but it's a little different. And then they changed this thing. I would have probably done that differently because and I've never even had those thoughts before because they've never even tried to address those things. It's really something else. Um, So good for them, man. Then don't worry, you just keep unearthing new levels. And it's totally crazy. So it's very good. I cannot recommend Mario enough. Do I think it is better than Zelda? No, no. I do not think it is better than Mario 3D Land. Oh, inter- well, that's a conversation I'd actually like to have another time. Okay. Because I want to play some Mario. I actually kind of, we need to play some Wii sometime soon. Wii U, rather. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I oh, have some for World? Yeah, I'd like to play some 3D World. Um, you've never played 3D World. I know. I played. I played uh, uh, 3D Land. I like. Th- I like 3D but, Land better. And my memory of 3D Land, I think, was also kind of like thrown off. But I'd like to play some 3D World, and I also want to play some more Mario Maker because I've been thinking about Mario Maker a lot. Those are all great games. Yeah. Um. Cool. So I played a very different game that I talked about also last time. I played a uh, Finish the Evil Within Two. How'd that go? This is like going back two weeks now. Um, the back half of it not as good. Uh, is the front half. I really like those games. I There's something about that quality of survival horror that I really enjoy. And I think the open world element is interesting and sort of an interesting take on it. Again, I think that like there's really only 50% of this game is actually open world, and that's divided into two kind of large areas. Okay. The, other, the other 50% is all quarter-oriented. Um, like the original Evil Within or similar to um, some of like the tighter parts of Resident Evil 4, like level design-wise, like okay. the castle and stuff. 
where you're you're kind of clearly going down a path. Yes, you, there's a clearly delineated path. If you like it, to compare it, like the opening town in Resident Evil Four mm-hmm. is, you know, you get you get two large sections in Evil Within Two that are like very large versions of that town. That's pretty cool. It is, and it introduces, and it's clear that they they learn from two things here. One of them is um, Far Cry because you definitely are. Well, you're not like liberating forts or whatever you see enemies and you need to plan ahead and figure out how you're going to tackle these enemies right um but unlike far cry this is a game that has like a lot of animation priority and it's kind of like um and it's melee attacks and there's a lot of running so there's also a lot of dark souls in this too okay and there are times when especially playing on the hardest difficulty level you have to kind of like cheese the game um you don't have to, but it's sort of fun too. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, uh, you're you're kind of playing with the mechanics. Yeah, exactly. I don't. know. I really like it. That's a good great. game. I had a good time with it. Um, I think that one of the things that I really like about these games is that juxtaposition of power and frailty, uh huh, or fragility, whichever. Um, because you are like when you have the good ammo, you are like unstoppable. Yeah, nothing. When you have the regular you. ammo, you're just normal, dude. And when you don't have any ammo, all you can do is run. And like I thought of this, and it like occurred to me, it's kind of like Mario. You got Fire Flower Mario, you got Big Mario, and then you've got Little Mario, who is just like scrambling towards the exit. Well, and yeah, Little Mario is just gonna die. Yeah, he's just got to run in order to like you get the exit as fast as you can. Your Fire Fire Mario, you're just like, yeah, what? What? (laughs) You're just whatever. Truly, though. Um, and like that is that is such a core element of like what makes good games is just that that like being on a power trip versus like the the knowledge that everything could end at any moment. That is extremely uh, insightful. Yeah. yeah, and that's what I mean. I, it's been said many times before, but it's what I always look for in games. Um, so anyway, yeah, good game. Evil Within Two. I recommend it to anybody who likes that kind of game. People who like stress right. in their video games. Um, it's funny because it's like. Would you like the Evil Within Two more if it ended? Camera, <laughs> camera pans, lights come up. Leon S. Kennedy is asleep on a couch. <laughs> he wakes up. It's the town from Resident Evil Four. You play it with the mechanics of Evil Within Two. I would love that. Yeah, but the this- way that like this is the problem with Super Mario Odyssey is that you could literally do it with every game and it would be incredible. Well, the issue with the Evil Within Two and with pretty much every game, I feel like, is that or every game that's not Nintendo, is that no one is paying attention to content like that and trying to iterate on content within the game because they're all too busy trying to make things like four fucking K. So they need more pixels. So everything is being put into making things look nice. And like I mean, this game on the back half suffers because you can tell that there's just like a dearth of like good ideas. Okay. Or like they just hadn't have the time. There's plenty more things you can do with it because those systems are excellent. Yeah. As we know from Resident Evil 4, you can play with those systems endlessly. Yeah, forever. It's just so satisfying. But like they instead are just kind of like, we're going to tell a story. So here's some more cutscenes. Big mistake. Yeah. Um, another game that I started playing just um, the, the a day ago, basically, is Horizon Zero Dawn. I just want to take a moment to say that I really want to play this game. And I think it has the worst title, perhaps of any game. It's ever. pretty bad. Like you could call it just like I don't even know what, like Dumb Town 
the future wars and i would be like great name for a game <laughs> dumb town <laughs> yeah future wars yeah and i would say that that is a reasonable thing in the future horizon zero dawn yeah i have no concept of what the if they just called it horizon that would have been kind of if cool. they called it dawn also acceptable if they had called it zero also acceptable. all of these things would be great i hate it oh i hate it too um i wish i liked this game more too really so i'm a few i'm only a uh a few hours in have you granted. become an adult isn't there like a yes. child section the yeah there's a child section that doesn't last particularly long okay. and if you it might take longer to play this game like if you're not used to playing video games but like it is it's very intuitive <laughs> oh but you're very good their, at games oh, yeah basically <laughs> i play oh. enough that like I, it's oh good this game is is has a Kind of, it's kind of like complicated, but is extraordinarily intuitive if you're just used to playing video game ass video games. Because this is a video game ass video game. It is a better, it is a better Ubisoft game than Ubisoft is ever going to make. Yeah, or has made recently. But at the same time, it's less like clever and sort of interesting than something like Far Cry Two, maybe, or even the first or second Assassin's Creeds. Mm, interesting um because it's just cribbing from every ubisoft game and just doing it better um my primary issue with this game is the visuals though it is it's beautiful it's incredibly lush yeah it's every single time i boot it up um i mean like you know these things diminishing returns for every video game that you, you play you gasp less you gasp time. less yeah but literally every time i boot it up i'm like man this game looks real good to the point that i'm kind of like i feel like i'm playing this on a computer <laughs> <laughs> this is what the pc people is must this what feel. it would be like to own an xbox one x <laughs> <laughs> well, nope because you can't play this yeah. game on it no instead you would be playing a game from the 360 yeah i'm not playing this on a, a playstation 4 pro or anything i'm playing it on a regular old 1080p television and it looks good the issue is that everything is so detailed that it begins to look a little flat to me. Mm. I don't really know how to explain this other than that, like, I have trouble understanding, like, distances and and reading distances in this game in a way that I do not have with Zelda. And I went back to Zelda for about an hour to just figure this out. Mm-hmm. And part of it, I think, is that, like, Zelda is just a master class in... Um, line of sight essentially and uh, we've talked about this you've talked about this on on the podcast before so we don't need to rehash it but this really is very good drives home how what an incredible accomplishment that is so good because this game is gorgeous but i have a lot of trouble trying to figure out where i need to go (laughs) and like i rarely am even looking at the screen i'm playing with a dynamic hud so it's like basically just has a compass up there so it's like very low hud which i think is the best way to play this game okay but i still am so reliant on the compass because i cannot orient myself because there's no giant kind of like visual um you know line of sight things that are telling me where i am and in addition it's so busy it's so lushly busy and beautiful looking granted but lushly busy that like i kind of have trouble parsing one area from another and knowing like where I need to jump. I spend like a lot of time like trying to scale rocks, not because like I think it's Zelda and I think I can climb anything, but because I can't always tell what's a ledge I can climb on and what I can't. That's terrible. Because it is like too beautifully 
like rendered and sometimes i'm like that looks like some bird shit on the edge of a ledge or is i'm like or is that like the indication that this is something that can be scampered up that's and funny it is um you know it's a game that feels pretty good to move around in there's a sliding mechanic that feels very good the same way that the far cry sliding mechanic does yeah probably a little bit better uh shooting feels pretty good um it's really just the environment i'm not crazy about uh scaling things is not always intuitive there are things when you're like i should be able to climb over this and you can't you're like jumping and you're not grabbing onto yeah, the ledge you're just kind of doing that weird hop against a wall yeah and it's that's really not satisfying and i think that like to go back to what i was saying before about like you know when we're talking about mario and being in a game and having a game iterate on itself within the game i wish and I'm not very far into Horizon Zero Dawn, but I wish that games like this maybe focus less on having 20 different quests in a town because I don't want to do 20 different quests in a town. I want the game to continue to refresh itself and to continue to give me new ways of playing within it or to give me such like a core and unique set of systems like Zelda does right from the beginning that it continues to be fun. Well, it's funny... Because I've been thinking about this with Mario, right? And Mario is so like crazy and disparate and insane. But it's you actually have a much easier job when you're making a game like Mario than you do if you're somebody who's making something like Zelda, but cer- like more than Zelda because I feel like Nintendo is good about just focusing on stuff. If you're making something like Assassin's Creed or this or this game, and it's a realistic depiction of the real ass world, and you go, what should be in the sequel, or like what? what are we attempting to accomplish? And you say, I want it to feel like you're a girl in a space world where there's dinosaur robots and you're fighting them and you can do anything. You can just do anything that this girl would be able to do in a world where she fights robots in space. (laughs) Like, you need to do all of that. And it's like, when have we succeeded? And the answer is, when I have perfectly simulated being a person who fights dinosaur robots. That is your bar. Yeah. Whereas if you need, it's like, what should we make in Mario? And it's literally a meeting where they go, how does it feel to jump? And somebody goes, feels pretty good to jump. And then the other person goes, okay, let's just make some levels where you get to do that. And that's it. And that's Nintendo. Well, and, and that's actually a feasible goal. Yes. Right? Well, that's I mean, the key here is that like yeah. Nintendo, it is an attainable thing to do. Whereas there is no way. There's almost an impossible task in something like Horizon Zero Dawn. Oh, it's it's totally an impossible task, and I'm surprised that this game doesn't have more glitches, considering good the fact it. that it's an it's an open world game and um, it looks as good as it does. But yeah, I mean, this it's my issue with it in many ways too is just that like there is so much of an onus placed on not just like let's make this as close to what it would be like if a girl was fighting, if a prehistoric girl was Mm -hmm. fighting like robot dinosaurs. It's like, let's make this look as much like that would in reality. Right. And there's, so the, with the onus being placed so much on that, it's not that like the game doesn't feel good, but it's just like no one is, is considering how, no one seemed to consider the world. The world didn't, that's no, this is harsh. I don't know what these people were considering, but like I wish more attention had been paid to the balance of of the world itself and like that the world feels good to traverse. Yeah. Because, yeah. The real world is not a fun video game level. Exactly. That's just it. And Zelda, man, Breath of the Wild, more like Breath of Fresh Air. (laughs) Wow. Breath of the Wild was a, 
so good at, <laughs> at is so good at like bridging the gap between an open world that feels a lot like a real or even the real world in many ways and also just being a giant video game level yeah it is it is such a video game yeah and it never forgets that it is a video game that happens to look like something you think you know yeah i am going to keep playing um horizon zero dawn though because i as i've gotten further in i've fought some bigger dinosaurs and it does get more interesting well i hear you can set traps in that game which i know you love yeah i don't like yeah this game there's also a loot problem in this game in a way that i don't have with um say the evil within two because with the evil within two and i've said this like ad nauseum but every item counts you need every single item that you pick up um in this game there's like tiered loot like you get like the purple green stuff you can like get a that. bad version of something you loot every single enemy it has like eight different like things that you pick out of it and there's crafting and stuff i don't mind i like crafting in the evil within but that's because you can only craft like a total of maybe 10 things in the whole fucking game like this you're constantly crafting looting things that i'm not my thing and it's, it's not fun no it's not fun it's just collection it. that was my issue with neo too one of my issues with neo also yeah, kind of like too much level design. there's just too much stuff yeah and i don't i'm glad that diablo happened good for diablo i hate that it's infected every single game because it's just not fun to to i love item and resource management I don't love being so flushed with things that I just need to sell them in order to open up more space in yeah. my inventory. There's just no management element yeah. to it. It's like you're never you're never strapped for it. Instead, no, you're having to fun. deal with a glut, which is never fun. So I have like way too many traps. It, I'm still learning how to use the traps, um, but they haven't been enormously satisfying so far. Well, I hope that they become more so. Yeah. This game catches you in its trap. Ooh. All right, so uh, what was it that you liked this past week that was not a video game? Uh, my favorite thing for the week is this Netflix show called Alias Grace. Oh, yeah. It's an Atwood adaptation. Based on Margaret Atwood. I am a big fan of certain Margaret Atwood. I like her like low sci-fi stuff. Like, um, like The Handmaid's Tale is an, a huge accomplishment, but I don't like it nearly as much as a lot of her other books, like The Robert Bride or Cat's Eye. Um or the blind assassin and this is one of those this is like not sci-fi whatsoever it's a uh, about a it's based on a true story historical account of a woman who is accused of murder of double murder um and this interview that was conducted with a psychiatrist at the time this is like the 1860s or so in canada right around toronto um, the Netflix adaptation was uh, written by Sarah Polly, who's a really interesting actress, writer, director. She's done some cool stuff previously, including some really fascinating documentaries. Um, and it's just, it's really good. It's a Canadian, it's it's on Netflix, but it was done, it was produced by the Canadian Broadcasting Company. Oh, cool. Uh, which means that the for like prestige television, the budget's a little bit lower. So there are times when you're like looking at the background and you're like, that's a really poorly done matte painting. <laughs> uh, like that doesn't look like a real historical city that <laughs> looks like CGI, but the acting is incredible. And this is a, um, it's a, adapted in such a way like the original novel that it's, the narration is really important. A lot of people don't like narration in film 
and television think or think that it's like kind of like a cop out. I love narration in film and television. I think it's really interesting when it is juxtaposed with what you are seeing and the narration is potentially unreliable. And this is very concerned with less like your traditional unreliable narrator and um, how we view people and how we tell their stories or how they tell theirs and how we interpret those. And then this, that complicated mess of, of, of all that. And, and also specifically women and how women tell their stories or aren't allowed to tell their stories or have their stories told for them. And a lot of it kind of like hinging on this psychiatrist who's interviewing her. Um, it's, it's a really good, it's, it's really good. I like it a lot. I would recommend it to pretty much anyone. Have you finished it? I have one episode left. Okay. And is there going to be like another season of it? Oh, no, 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 no. It's contained. contained. I like that. That's cool. Yeah. It's also a dope book. Okay. I I am incredibly impressed at how well it's been been adapted. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I saw the picture for that and I had no idea what it was. So that's really (laughs) neat. Um, My thing is uh, a board game that I'm very late to the party on, uh, but it's called Pandemic. And I just got to play it. Oh, you never played Pandemic Have you played before? It before? Even I've played Pandemic. It's great. Yeah, it's, it's pretty fun if you like board games. It's the XCOM map. It is the XCOM map. It's just, yes, it's just like the sub game from XCOM. Yeah, where you're just managing uh, diseases around the world. You're the CDC, and it's more fun than the XCOM map. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> it's much more fun than the XCOM. It is meta a better game. version of yeah. the XCOM meta game, and you get to play it with your friends collaboratively. Um, and it's just a really cool game. That's the collaborative aspect is the really nice part because I do not like board games that are competitive because I'm not good at board games. Um, in any case, tell me more about Pandemic. Uh, I have nothing more to say other than that you should definitely play it if you have not. Uh, get some friends together and uh, save the world. It's really cool because you're just as a unit working towards a goal. And so your decisions that are being made are collaborative. So it's the sort of thing where you all get to succeed or fail together, which is a really pleasant experience. And you're kind of just combating uh, chance because the events on the board are dictated by the deck. So if things go really badly and you lose, uh, or if things go really well and you manage to lose, it's still a fun story that you share with your friends rather than that time that your one friend smoked all of you at a board game. (laughs) So if you lose, do you get injected with the disease? Yeah, it's called Las Plagas. And uh, then eventually your head explodes into a demonic snake creature. What's your favorite Las Plagas mutation? Probably the the snake creature head. Like the really big one that bites your head off? Oh, no, no, no. The the initial one that you encounter. Okay. Yeah, the initial one that you encounter. Join us in two weeks for more talk about our favorite Resident Evil monsters and what that massage chair has been up to lately. (laughs)